Everybody, it's the Road to Roll Football Show. It's October 24th, 2023. I had to think about what year it was. Denny, I'm Patrick Darty, joined by at CD Carter 13. We're going to break down Monday Night Football, where it's simple. It's Jover for Brock Purdy. Um, <laughs> could be Jover for Alexander Madison. Denny, we're going to talk about how high is too high for Jordan Addison. Then we're going to get into the news of the week, including the Bijan drama. How could we not? Uh, the Rams' backfield, where they're just kind of like drawing names out of a hat. Chris Olave struggling slash driving 70 miles an hour on a 35. Seems uh, kind of fast. Uh, Josh Palmer, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt. Denny, of course, puts Taysom Hill on the show sheet. Dalton Kincaid, Roshan Johnson, so on and so forth. Denny, though, right before the show, we were talking with producer Adam. Uh, the NBA is starting. Are, are you dialed in? Or do you want to have any of the old man rants we were just having before the show started live on the air? I don't think anybody really wants to hear me rant about how none of this matters. Right now. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, come on, it doesn't matter. And literally until March, like it doesn't like, you know, if you can keep your head above water and by head above water, I mean like in the top 10 seeds in, in each uh, conference by March, then you're fine. You know, so the Lakers showed that last year. Uh, it's gonna matter if and when NBC gets the the TV rights back, and then it will be, and then it will matter. I will say that at that point, it will matter a lot. Been reading in the press that we could get it back. Truly, reading that in the press, not at all. Like, no, nothing internally. You have to remember we are fantasy football writers. Uh, <laughs> but reading in the press, we could get the NBA back. Uh, you, I'm gonna go the oldest man rant about the NBA. One you, me, and Adam didn't even touch on, and that that is the uniforms, like. Like oh. so, okay, whatever. You got to have the city connect jerseys. You got to have the alternates or whatever. Do but you? a team gets a good alternate, at least let them keep them. Do you have to have an alternate? You, I mean, I don't know. In twenty twenty three, maybe you do. But so it's one thing to have an alternate. It's another thing to every year have forced enforcement of new alternates. Oh. And that it's, way it's you get like horrible. the Indiana Pacers with their uniform that looks like it was written in crayon. And, uh, <laughs> it's, brutal, man. It's so I don't brutal. even know who's playing. The Denver Nuggets have 19 jerseys. I have no idea when the Nuggets are playing. The only way I know is when D-E-N is at the bottom of the screen with the, <laughs> with the number next to it. That's the only way. That's the only yeah. way. The team should have, look, the team should have an away jersey. And a home jersey, and that's it, folks. Oh, they should have an alternate jersey, too. No, I no. like alternate jerseys. But it, so one thing, it's not just to the jersey. It's when it's paired with a court. So now they have, like, all sorts of alternate oh, courts. It, it, um, it's too much. It's absolutely crazy. And so I'll say this, a specific rant about the Denver Nuggets. No team in the history of North American sports has abandoned more good uniforms. Right. In the Denver, every time the Nuggets get a good uniform, someone at Nike is like, well, what if they're worse? <laughs> and this has happened like six years in a row i know uh, they had like some truly amazing alternates that they just abandoned and moved on to now they look awful the jersey look- literally says 5280 on the front they look awful i i you know i watch I, my Washington washington wizards and sometimes i have no idea who they are the only time i know who they are is when they're wearing their bullets jersey that's well, it denny wait till you see the wizards city connector this year it's actually one of the two or three worst uniforms ever slapped on wait. an american athlete wait Bruce Adam I mean, that the hawks one is bad nothing is as bad as the pacers one though no you got to look up this pacers one. i, I will i will they, I, I will say there's nothing more dystopian than the uh than the brooklyn nets uh jersey just the regular jersey 
Oh no, the, the, the regular jerseys, yes. The height of what some people would call refinement culture. Like, what if it was so refined there was nothing there? <laughs> there was no, I mean, I it is like what one of the most depressing things to watch the Nets uh, on a on a visceral level because of the way they play, because of the court being so dark, and because of the jerseys being so dystopian. So dystopian. That includes their new City Connects, also absolutely abysmal. But it was all this talk about the NBA. I would be remiss if I did not mention that basketball season is here, but there's still time to squeeze in your fantasy drafts. I just had one last evening. Get the Roto World Basketball Draft Guide, which includes all the rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league. Go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now and use promo code PRESEASON25 to save 25% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. Didn't get Wimby in my draft. Um, so I, where, did, I where did he go? Where does he go? I think it was like the fourth round. And we had tw- we had 24 total keepers. So he, he, I think in real drafts, he's going to like the fifth or sixth. Um, All right. Well, I'm, I I'm sure some people are reaching and doing it like in the second. I have a draft round. tonight. I'm going heavy on the Spurs because I read that they don't play any defense and they, they had the fastest pace in the league last year. So I'm all in. I pivoted to Ja Morant. So hopefully I'm still in the running when he's back after 25 yes. games. And hopefully Ja Morant uh, stopped streaming on Instagram Live. It would be good. Any of the Minnesota Vikings became the second straight team to, I'm just going to say it, expose the San Francisco 49ers. It is funny. I tweeted a few weeks ago about the 49ers. I'm taking a victory lap that they had played three straight games at home, which is uncommon at any time of the year. Two of them were against really soft opponents. The third was the Cowboys. They were obliterating these teams. Everyone was like anointing the 49ers, you know, the best team in the NFC. Not everyone, of course. But I, I was like, let's just hold our horses. They spent like an abnormal amount of the season at home. One of their road games was in L.A., which is a home game for them. Like, I just want to see this team go on the road and get challenged a little bit. And they've gone on the road and not only gotten challenged, they've lost to two pretty mediocre teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. Do we have any actual 49ers concern? Do we have any Brock Purdy concern who you know, kept getting away with it and the, the turnover-worthy throws or plays or whatever – but you can, Geno Smith famously tweeted, uh, not a real stat. And it might not be a real stat, but Brock Purdy kept popping in that metric, but kept not having the turnovers. He's had the turnovers the past two weeks. What is your concern level, if any, for the 49ers and Brock Purdy? Yeah, you know, people tend not to like the uh, pro football focus turnover worthy plays when it says that their quarterback is committing a lot of them. That's that's pretty much when they say, nope, not, that's not a real stat because I don't like that stat. Uh, but yeah, Purdy has gotten away with it hugely uh, during his entire time as the Niners a quarterback. And I, I think I said on, to pat myself on the back a little bit, on the uh, post-game show, on the Sunday night show, recap show, some would call it, after, <laughs> after the Niners lost to Cleveland, I think I said that this is still a team that cannot play uh, from behind and th- that Kyle Shanahan still doesn't have a quarterback who can mount uh, comebacks and just like he had with Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, Purdy plays great from ahead. Okay. Uh, he, he is, he's really good when the opposing defense doesn't know if they're going to run or pass the ball. That's when he's at his best. That's not saying much uh, when it comes to, uh, when it comes time to actually have to drop back and, and score some points things kind of go downhill for Brock Purdy. You know, I, I was watching the, the, the film watchers, we're pointing out that his eyes drop to the ground immediately upon seeing pressure. 
Uh, he, you know, loses track of his reads. He makes rush throws. He doesn't really have like a missile arm to, to like force the ball between no, two or three defenders. And he still tries that. We saw that a couple of times last night Didn't against work. the Vikings. So I, I, I do think he has to play from ahead in order to be good for fantasy. The good news is they will typically play, be playing from ahead. Trent Williams' absence, I'm sure, loomed large last evening. But So first off, I try to re- – this is genuine. I really try to not be a victory lapper because it's unseemly and you're wrong <laughs> like so much that there's no point in victory lapping when you're wrong so much in this business. The second the 49ers lose, I'm like, oh, my God, let me find all my old tweets. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> let me let me find the articles uh, where I've said uh, – hold on. Where's the, all my negative shanty stuff I've written? Yep. And I had found one last night. That I tweeted this before the losing streak began. I tweeted October 9th when I was talking about how their season just hadn't even really begun in my eyes. And I really think this is my official Brock Purdy take, or excuse the very tongue-in-cheek language, where I said, I believe he's a great functionary – of the beloved leader, Kyle Shanahan, but he's probably bound to become a liability at the most inopportune times. And that speaks to what you said. He, he's not, he's, he, he's just not a come from behind quarterback right now. He doesn't have the physical skills to be that he might still have the weapons where it doesn't matter. This team of course will stabilize They're going to go like at least 11 and six, 12 yeah. and five. They're really maybe good. 13 and four, but yeah, I think it's just the same old Shanny problem that he tried to solve his scheme is extraordinary. He can get to Super Bowls with this scheme, but he knew he needed a player who could actually elevate the offense and not only be elevated. That's why he made the move for Trey Lance. Yeah. It didn't work whatsoever, but he's just like back in the, on the same Jimmy Garoppolo hamster wheel that he cannot get off of. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was looking at, at Purdy's numbers over the past two weeks, and obviously there's been some drop-off in, in some categories. He's 24th in the league in completion rate over expected over those two weeks, which is a, a huge difference from, you know, before before that uh, two-game losing streak. Uh, he still has a pretty high success rate, still has like a middle-of-the-road EPA per drop-back. So, you know, like he's doing the whole shanty thing where he still is productive, but uh when you're when you're inaccurate like that it does that doesn't hold up when teams know you will have no choice but to drop back and pass and that's the situation they found themselves in in the second half last night two real more big tests coming up too where they get the arrested coming off by Bengals team this sunday at home yes the Bengals one of the best schemed defenses in the entire league then they have their bye and have to go on the road to jacksonville so i, I think it's one of those situations that we'll know a lot about this team after the next two games, yeah, more than I, we knew heading into week six. The the Bengals matchup is low-key a nightmare. It me. is. It could be like the Bengals could really get like the boulder rolling on like like the public is back in on negative purdy takes. You know, right now the general public's like, why did all such haters can't just accept the fact that Brock Purdy's good? And you know, everyone who, we, who pretends to be smart like us, like he's bad. <laughs> and then we've just been wrong over and over and over again. Uh, if he has another similar game against the Bengals, I think even the public will start to be like, what's the deal with this party guy? I might look what a success rate. I, well, look, when you when you base a quarterback's entire existence on quarterback wins, then you tend to get these sort of takes where it's like they're winning. So what? Like like we, like you get with Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter has been terrible, terrible. Yeah, and I get Falcons so. fans saying we're four and three. Sorry if you're triggered. I'm like, well, come on. He's worse than the ultimate. Brock Purdy has bad game once, and then I spend 55 minutes of a podcast. He's just bad. He's just bad. Uh, not, the truth is probably somewhere in the bad. middle. Yeah, what I'm trying to say at the joke yeah. is that right. 
I'm piling on. I know he's not as bad as I'm making him seem, but I do still firmly believe he's not as good as he had appeared. He's definitely not bad, but con- this t- whole thing about elite, come on, no. Oof, yeah, yikes. You want to talk about mega yikes? Yeah. And about mega yikes trying to guard Jordan Addison. Seven catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns, 60-yarder on Monday night. Was that a 60-yarder or a touchdown? I can't remember. Yeah. I was well, drafting in the first half of this game. He, he actually took it, took it away from a Niners defender. I was uh, drafting my NBA squad during the first half of this game. Just going to be totally honest with you. Uh, his four <laughs> touchdowns over the past three weeks, two of those without Justin Jefferson. I, I did wonder how much Jordan Addison's role would change without Justin Jefferson. It was status quo, the first game against the Bears. Very, very disappointing effort against a really bad defense. Then with an extremely good effort against a really good defense on Monday night. How high? All 32 teams playing this week for some unknown reason. Even though buys have started, there are no buys in week eight. With all 32 teams playing, how high, without looking at the rankings themselves, like intellectually, what do you feel Jordan Addison is? The wide receiver what? When I really – when I when – I- go inside when I feel in my gut, I feel like he is definitely a top 20 receiver. Okay. I'm like 24, 25. I haven't right. I think I might have him inside the top 24. So we're definitely getting there because it's not like the DNA of this offense has really changed. As we saw last night, even against the 49ers, they're going to throw 50 times. Like if that's what it takes, and that's going to usually be what it takes with this defense. Uh, and usually, be what it, this, that's that's how Kirk Cousins yeah. plays football, right? Um, right. And in, in two, by the way, in two games without Justin Jefferson, uh, Jordan Addison has a twenty percent target share, which is which is honestly not hey, not. Fantastic. We need to get that. We need to get that up. That, 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 that way, it's fine. But like that, that, that's that's why I'm not I'm not like screaming at you that Addison needs to be higher because twenty percent target share is nothing to write home about 40 percent 40 air yard share is something that you may want to write home about you may want to tell the family back home percent <laughs> air yard share but you know the, the, the a 20 percent target shares tends to look better in a pass heavy offense i am breaking news here and minnesota has the fourth highest pass rate over expected this season they've been over their expected dropback rate in six of seven games Basically, when they have to, th- when they or when they can't just sit on the ball like they could against the Bears, they are going to drop back a lot, and I think we're going to get that more often than not. Dearest mother, I have gangrene. <laughs> I have gangrene, and they are going to take me leg. Also, Jordan Addison has a forty percent air yard share. <laughs> tell Papa I love him. Play yeah. Addison in a GPP. Just tell tell Buster to keep the field tended until I get back. Uh, that's his <laughs> younger brother, Buster. He's 11. He works on a farm in Montana. And Buster, by the way, uh, rostered KJ Osborne per your advice. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, th- that is the final hurdle to clear for Jordan Addison. Yeah, too many targets being seeded to what you might call Buster's Brandon Powell, KJ Osborne. We, he needs to con- further consolidate these looks a little bit, and I, I think that he will. That that was a coming out party, not just for fantasy managers, but also the Vikings coaching staff knows they can kind of like lean on this guy. And yeah. almost a Jordan Jefferson level capacity. So I, I think the target share, which 20% is not going to get it done, like you said. I think it will send more to probably that 25, 26% range. And we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of Jordan Addison. We weren't getting good stuff out of Alexander Madison on Monday evening, where the Cam Akers takeover, I predicted it from the jump. Bad idea. Uh, dead wrong. <laughs> dead, dead wrong. But then for some reason it happened at like the most random time imaginable when they're trying to close out 
this elite defense last night. And Cam Akers wasn't looking good, but so obviously unmissable that Cam Akers was getting the most important touches of the game. And I frankly thought it was unmissable when Joe Buck said to Troy Aikman, he said, Troy, you kind of get the sense that Cam Akers might get a chance to take control of his backfield down the stretch, a.k.a. in a coach's meeting, they said that. They, and that's, that's how they repurposed that kind of stuff. Like that to me was like unmistakably from the mouth of Kevin O'Connell to, to Joe Buck. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you posted about that and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, Alexander Madison started the game against the Niners, played 12 of the first 14 offensive snaps from that point. Uh, Cam Akers saw more playing time and ended up with more rushing attempts. Madison did get all the goal line snaps and all the two minute drill snaps. Uh, you know, so he's, he's not going like away. Uh, but Akers was more productive, like his underlying metrics, like nerdy rush yard over expected stuff. He's way, he was way better than, than Madison. Honestly, it's hard. It would be hard for Akers to be worse than Madison has been. Uh, so I, I do, I do think that Akers could be on the verge of being the nominal lead back, but I'm not. I'm not overexcited about either of these guys, especially no. because the Vikings are rarely going to be in a position where they can just establish it. Like, like no, they, no. like, like you would want them to, if you had acres in a lead back role. So for all the reasons you just referenced, I am keeping Alexander Madison slightly ahead of cam acres in the rankings this week, where he seems to have enough of an advantage in the high value touch department still, but also in a week where all 32 teams are playing, I don't have either one of them in the top 36 and maybe it's a bit of an overreaction, but when I did my initial run through of the ranks, there were just too many guys where I was like, yeah, I'm playing this guy over Alexander Madison. And uh, the end, it's been the beginning of the end for Alexander Madison, I think is what we witnessed on Monday night. Yes, I think that's 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 right. Uh, saying that, though, like, I'm not I'm not like breaking the fab bank for acres. No, 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 no. He, hopefully someone you can sneak in with a zero dollar bid after a fab. Clo- not bid. You get him for free. After probably should have probably should have stashed him last week, honestly. Well, I'm sure he's already over 50% rostered, by the way. Oh boy. Oh, not uh, not in my league. Twitter is going league, to course. come for our lives. I am scared. Well, he's an opposite not in my league. No one's had Cam Akers. He's bad. Why would anyone in my league have Cam Akers? So no, you're wrong, like, man. No, yeah, people no. will be like, no, I took him in the eighth. So I'm gonna look eighth. up really quick, actually. Cam Akers. Yeah, right. I'm I, like, here, just keep talking while I go to one of my no, leagues. People, yeah, people really thought that Acres was going to be, and I, I did too for a bit. You know, in the summer was going to be the lead back in LA, and and he had such a good end the last three or four weeks of the regular season last year. One of the more productive backs in the league. Anyway, what's his roster ship? Forty nine percent. So we were that both is kind shockingly of right. high. Kind of wrong. That's not high. He got That's added high. a ton. He was he was getting dropped for the trade. Then there was kind of a wave of adding him back. Because right. people like me thought he was going to overtake Madison. Yeah, there you go. Maybe up to 65, 70% this week. And could be wrong, like you said. Uh, Producer Adam, I got news for you. I'm going to do a promo right now. Uh, Denny, we'll be right back after this. It's an interconference clash on Sunday evening when DJ Moore and the Chicago Bears travel to Southern California to battle Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Get ready for kickoff when coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. I mean, a really interesting game with uh, Tyson Bagent. We'll see if he can keep it rolling. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. 
you know, with Bajent, man, it's like, so on the one hand, I'm like, I feel for our NBC brothers. Uh, we got Tyson Bajent in prime time this Sunday night. But then, and when I'm doing the rankings, like, man, this guy's going to crash back down to earth tonight. But the fact that this is the Chargers just looms so large. Oh, yeah, th- This game is going to be like way, way closer than it has any right to be. The Bears are winning this thing. I mean, zone hasn't totally knocked out my reason yet. <laughs> Denny, so try not to make me laugh. But okay, all right. I'm going to look. <laughs> What's the, uh, uh, they're eight and a half favorites, the Chargers. So this is Mark it down, folks. Tyson Bajan leads the Bears to victory. Uh, look, this Chargers team is, is just completely lost. You want to talk about they're garbage. You want to talk about a dogless team? This yeah. team has negative dog levels. Levels. No team has ever had less dog than these Chargers. It's insane. I t- I tweeted this too. So we're just always re- let's just go through all of our recent tweets, Denny, and start reading them <laughs> on the air. I mean, I'll oh, do it. After the Chargers lost, it struck me very much as like the baby environment kind of emanating from Lincoln Riley's USC, where they lose. And it's like oh, I don't. We did a lot. We lost. It's not our fault. And USC, I don't know if you've been following this. USC has like the lowest yeah, yeah, yeah. dog levels of any team. Oh man, yeah. It, it makes me. It makes. I have questions about Caleb Williams. I have questions. He, I mean, I, I actually don't have questions with Caleb. Where he should have like got out there and like shook hands after they lost on Saturday, but he actually wants to win. He was sitting there like in a dazed stupor that they lost. Uh, it's more like everyone other than Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like, man, have you ever thought about just not uh, being the worst defense of all time and maybe just beating these horrible Pac-12 teams? You ever thought about that? So they lost uh, to Utah, correct? You, yeah, I mean, Utah is actually really but good, too. Utah has an amazing defense. I know this because I have played several guys against the Utah defense in DFS, and, man, that has Bad idea. That's been Bad terrible. Idea. Utah, I believe, is in the top 10, and they've beaten USC five of the past six times they've played. Uh, USC down extraordinary <laughs> on that one. <laughs> but anyways, the Chargers have big USC energy. Tune in Sunday night on NBC and Peacock. Denny, the news of Week 7 was Bijan Robinson being held touchless is what he should have been until he got one touch in the final minute of the game. And after the game, Arthur Smith was seriously like, like I don't know, he had a headache. Then he's like, "Hold oh, on, that's not believable enough. I'll get back. I'll get back to you tomorrow." That was quite literally what he did in his press conference. He said, "He'll get back to us tomorrow." Yeah, I don't yeah. think he even did. Uh, what do you, so what we do you think that was about? What I really do not know. It, it can't be punishment either because he got the most important carry of the entire game. That's what I, I was thinking. Okay, because sometimes you know, guys like they they don't show up for the pre-game meeting or like they they show up late or whatever the day the day before, but. Uh, but you know that wasn't the case, so I I, I don't know. And then Bijan stuck by the stuck by the headache story. I think it has to be the truth, but it's so bizarre. And nothing else makes sense. Is one reason why I'm inclined to believe the headache thing. But then why didn't they update the pregame injury report? It's not unusual for teams to update even even with illness. Teams will frequently update the injury report on Sunday mornings. The injury report had to be updated. Either way, freak occurrence. We don't think that will ever happen again. But Bijan was already trending in the wrong direction in the RB1 ranks. And I, again, you're here to say this several more times in the podcast. No buys this week. Has Bijan lost like all RB1 benefit of the doubt at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a few weeks ago, I was he was shaping up, I thought, as a reliable 
top end RB2 and PPR formats because he has, you know, usually he has a lot of involvement in the passing game. He runs a lot of routes. They use him in creative ways. He has a high targets per route run, but he's not seeing the valuable, uh, the valuable touches. If I could just real quick, just, just give you an idea, give the folks an idea of what I'm talking about. Bijan Robinson has one rushing attempt inside the five. He has two attempts inside the 10 on the season uh Cordero Patterson who has been a- inactive for most of the most of the season has more inside the 10 uh rushing attempts and of course Tyler Algier leads the team in that in that category so if you're not getting those at all like if you are just completely out in that part of the field as a running back that's going to be tough to get to the RB1 status just a classic I think this is almost like the situation that you see with Jamar Chase and like T Higgins and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill Blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, it's not really affecting Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. But when there's a good backup, there's just the coaches always think, well, we I know he's not as good as a starter, but this guy is too good not get touches. We have to get him touches, which is true. Like in a fair world, Tyler Ogier would probably be a lead back. But I just really do think they're doing themselves such a disservice by adopting this mentality that they have a committee and that the whole offense would be so much better if they would just fully commit to be genre. I don't even know where I'm going with this because we know it's not going to happen. It's not. Uh, it's not. It's not how Arthur Smith does offense anymore, apparently. But they're just doing it, – it's like they're a victim of having a good player because Tyler Algier is a good player, but he's not Bijan Robinson. But they think that since he's good, they have to keep him involved, but they just don't. They have a player who is far better than him, and they're just doing it all, all wrong with Bijan Robinson. And I'm the very whole- sad. Yeah, the whole Bijan thing struck me as very wish casty uh, before the season, where people were saying, "Well, he's that good." Well, he, he the thing is, he is that good in a mm-hmm. rational approach, but he really is that good. Unfor, I have to hand it to Steve Sarkeesian in the University of Texas. I hate to do this, uh, he really is that good. <laughs> I do stand by that, uh, and, and I I think a rational coaching staff would have admitted that he is that good. Uh, but he landed with the exact perfect storm coaching staff for that not to happen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he is that good, Denny. I swear to God. All right. I mean, yeah, he makes cool cuts and stuff. Oh, stop this. Uh, You're talking I, about I, him like he's a USC player. All of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, he looks cool I, in the jersey. I look. Uh, he he probably is good. He probably is good. I don't know if he's generational. I think he know. is. Oh, we're never we're never gonna know that's the good thing we are yeah. never ever gonna know yeah this is so great you have a generational talent on team and you're just absolutely addicted to giving tyler algier 14 to 16 we're years. never gonna know because arthur smith is the coach for life just so everyone is aware yes. <laughs> and and uh, Bijan robinson you know he's gonna waste his rookie contract in this system it's, someone tweeted at me recently. By the way, Arthur Smith is the coach for life. If they ever try to fire him, FedEx will just buy the team <laughs> and install him. Daddy will install him as coach yeah, that's uh, right. for life. But someone tweeted at me. I, he wasn't joking. He like emphasized he was not joking. I totally agree. Arthur Smith isn't just like making fantasy managers annoyed. Like He is ruining these guys' lives. Uh, yeah, like, He is ruining Drake London's life mm-hmm. as being a high-end football player and trying to get paid while he's still young and in his prime. Same thing for Kyle Pitts. Same thing for Bijan Robinson. And he is ruining their lives by not using them the way that it's clear they should be used. That's and absolutely. He, right. He's messing with people's wallets. He's messing with people's lives. It is. It is it's really messed up. It is. So it stupid. is really unfortunate because, we, as you know, I mean, 
the Bijan's uh, Bijan maybe has what four year, five years of like prime, you know, playing, you know, running back play totally. in him, maybe. So we and he's going to lose that, and that's really that's sad. That's sad for him. It's sad for our football fans. And and he's such a team first guy. You hear him talk. He's always talking about the team. He loves the team. Rah rah. This that. You know, and but he's gonna he's gonna uh, be on the the wrong side of this. He is. It's really really unfortunate. And stay tuned for our next Arthur Smith rant. Uh, quote: Every time we podcast, yeah, that's when I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Every single time we podcast, I will rant about this. Crystal Ave, as I mentioned off the jump, driving uh, quite fast in a residential zone. I would have to assume it was 35 miles an hour. Uh, people were laughing. Seventy as a as a dad, I'm like, dude. You cannot be driving 70 in a 35, man. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're thinking. This is like no laughing matter, even as I kind of laugh. That's too fast. It's too fast. You can't it's be doing it, but he's not going to get suspended. The NFL doesn't suspend for speeding infractions. He has been struggling, though. We have not had a 100-yard game since week three for Chris Olave. We have only one touchdown all year. We had the, a 12-yard effort, a four-yard effort when Derek Carr was injured. The targets have been juiced way back up the past two weeks. Uh, 25 targets. 14 catches sounds nice. Then only 192 yards. 96 of that one. Averaging like under 10 yards per catch. Is it, so are we saying Chris Olave is struggling? And what what is like the, the near future outlook for Chris Olave, who started out basically as hot as any player in the league and has now not been that for over a month? Yeah, well, the air yards are still there. And that makes you feel good. You know, in your heart and in your mind, it makes you feel great to know that Chris Olave is third among all receivers and air yards over the past two weeks. He's just piling them up. The receiving yards, please don't ask me about the receiving yards, okay? But air yards-wise, it's great. Talk, you talk about the touchdowns. He leads the team in end zone targets with seven. So he has that going for him. Uh, what I'm saying is it, it actually does – the numbers do align so that I think we can we can count on him – uh, bouncing back in this offense. And I, I actually think we can kind of count on the Saints having to chase points this season and, and really drop back a lot. I mean, they dropped back 59 times against the Jaguars. You know, not going to get that every week. Could get something in that territory. And if Chris Olave is, you know, maybe a little more engaged with the team, oh, maybe 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 more, maybe, maybe more in it. You know, and his uh, headwise, uh, you know, he who knows who knows what he can do. Well, maybe he was sure. too. Maybe he was too engaged when he was driving like too fast to get to a meeting. I think he was. Try, yeah, I think I think he was maybe thinking about Derek Carr while he was driving and just That's uh, probably got true. A yeah, he got a little emotional. Yeah, little pedal to the metal. Kind of a double-edged sword. The next three weeks were three really good matchups for a wide receiver in the Colts, the Bears, and the Vikings. Okay. That's good. But the problem is I do think the Saints could get really conservative against these kind of shaky defenses, bad overall teams, or they might get to do the classic 35 rushes, dial back the dropbacks for Derek Carr. But he's been reascending, like you said, over the past two weeks, and now a really soft portion of the schedule is going to tell the story of Chris Olave's 2023, basically, these next three weeks. Keeping him in the high-end, excuse me, high-end wide receiver, too, this week. Then have we seen enough to call this a breakout for Rasheed Rice where we haven't like a true ceiling game, but the floor is pretty much four or five catches for 40 or 50 yards. He's scoring every other week. I believe he had a season high in both snaps and routes against the Chargers. Have we seen the Rasheed Rice breakout or are we at least getting close? I, yeah, I mean, look, the the, the route rate actually w- was was really good here. He was at third on the team 
uh, in in pass routes. Uh, I think it was about seventy percent, uh, only behind Travis Kelsey and Marquez Valdez Scantling for some reason. Uh, saw six targets, caught five for for sixty yards. And our our colleague Zach Kruger posted about uh, Rasheed Rice, and uh, I'll just I'll read it to the folks because I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I found you know, it a little bit. You know how to read? I do. I do. Uh, just learned last week. Uh, so among 55 receivers, according to Zach Kruger, with 30, 30 plus targets this season, Rasheed Rice ranks third in uh, uh, yards after the catch per reception, ninth in targets per route run, and 10th in uh, yards per route run. Okay. So really efficient. Uh, he was efficient before this, but he was only running 35% of the routes in the offense. Yeah, you know, that's called so, the Darius Tony role though where you're hyper efficient on like very limited snaps is there more than that here hopefully well he got he saw he finally saw the increase uh this past week if that holds i think that we can start him in 12 team leagues if it doesn't if it kind of fluctuates from week to week depending on personnel or whatever then where we have another issue altogether but it, it was a great sign his week seven usage Really, really great. And he's been getting end zone targets since the beginning of the season. So there was building blocks there all year. And it seemed like the Chiefs, to the halfway point of the season, the Chiefs have to cut down this rotation at some point. It's been naturally kind of cut down by Justin Watson's injury. Now Michael Hardman's there and playing. But you can't have a six or seven man receiver rotation all year, though. Like yeah. It's got to be cut down at some point. And right, by the way, Rice is uh, Rice only trails Travis Kelsey in end zone targets. So that that is the, like like you were saying, like he he can he can get there uh, without having a hundred yards. Let's say that does scan. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know you could read words. I thought you could only read spreadsheets. So well, good. what I do is I just put each word in a in a different cell in the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, <no. Yeah. laughs> or I thought you say you just do all you, you zeros and ones. You don't actually read the English language, but you translate it all of it into zeros and ones. I, I, and, I absorb uh, it, yeah. But then you're reading words, not just spreadsheets. Looking up. Uh, Josh Palmer, I don't know why I phrase the question this way. I put Josh Palmer versus Josh Downs as a wide receiver three. Basically, both players are making wide receiver three pushes, especially Josh Palmer, in my opinion. At least seven targets, at least 60 yards, all four games since Mike Williams' injury. That includes the game. Mike Williams was injured. Targets are a little shakier for Josh Downs, but they've, they've been on the increase with Gardner Minshew. He's doing something with them too. Uh, just start talking about Josh Palmer and Josh Downs, and are they both wide receiver threes? Yeah, the the, the raw target numbers for Josh Downs are not exactly where you'd want them to be. Um, you know, six, eight, and six over his past three games with Minshew under center. That that's not you know. Not what you're looking for. Look, six targets. He has 125 yards and a touchdown because of a long reception last week against Which Cleveland. was kind of a broken play, too, by the way. Right. So uh, that, you know, I think it is a little shakier than than, than normal uh, since, or than you would like, I should say, since Gardner Minshew took over for the Colts. Josh Downs has an 18% target share uh, to a, uh, that second to Michael Pittman, who has a 23% target share. Uh, they both have been targeted on 22% of their routes. So I think that that, that is telling in that uh, Pittman is not like the, the clear cut, like a one. I, I, I don't, I don't think quite yet. Maybe he will separate. I mean, Pittman had a big game too. And he dropped, he didn't drop a touchdown. Could have had a second touchdown, almost made him a miraculous catch kind of behind his back. Uh, Downs, 
Yes, I originally when you were when you were talking, I, I originally want to say no, 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 wide receiver two. But the more I talk it out, Pat, the more I realize you are right. It is PPR wise, he's a wide receiver three. Yeah, I think you kind of got to start with him in like that thirty to thirty six range, maybe even outside the top thirty six. Receiver looked very deep, very deep with everyone back off by this week. Where I was kind of shocked how deep it looked. I think when the buys resume, Josh Downs might start sneaking in the top thirty six. But how do you feel about Josh Palmer? Where like the Chargers did everything they could to avoid this, uh, and they're just back to Josh Palmer. Back to it. It's it's kind of like uh, I mean you know last week uh, was different for the Ravens, but before week seven it was the same thing. Ravens, no matter what they do, they always get back to Nelson Aguilar, uh, and uh, you know they he is inevitable. Yeah, Josh Palmer, nineteen percent target share since Mike Williams. Uh, left for the sea or was it? out for the season. Yeah. Only 19%, 29% of air yards. Keenan Allen dominates in both, both categories. So uh, it, he's like, he's not, his numbers are not overwhelming by any means, but the chargers do pass quite a bit. Uh, Palmer really is not efficient, but they have no other choice here, I guess, other than to pepper him with looks when they can't force feed it to uh, Keenan Allen. I will say, if Austin Eckler gets back to full health, obviously he's not at full health at the moment. Uh, that could really eat into the targets for Josh Palmer. Yeah, Austin Eckler, you need to spend more time rehabbing and less time making motivational videos. This is a hobby horse that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> Austin Eckler spending too much time trying to be an influencer. Well, he's uh, he is motivational. He's that. very, very motivated. Keenan Allen, by the way, he's been hurt, I think, by Mike Williams going out. Like the extra defensive attention teams can roll his way. Yes. It's only been three for 32, seven for 85, four for 55, only reached 10 targets once in that span. He seems like he's missing Mike Williams. You no, know, he is. And, you know, the Chargers B writers were pretty clear about that when Mike Williams went down. They said, you know, this is not good for the way that they were using Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was hot. He was he red was hot before, before Williams went down. Uh, Mike Williams' injury, I, I, I'm trying not to overstate it, Pat, but uh, may have tanked the entire season for the Chargers. That I feel like combined with Justin Herbert's injury, to or he playing with a broken finger seems to not be going terribly well for the. No, other I don't man. think so. No. And he got it retaped. And why, why, are, why are teams like this? Maybe just give him like two weeks. Like a broken finger can heal oh, like two man. or three weeks. The like season you, season's over if they do. It's over. He's doing like long term damage to his hand. Like just get the guy healthy. But, you know, a team will never, quote, just get the guy healthy. No, they will never do that. No. Is Jalen Hyatt beginning to break out or at least becoming relevant? It, kind of funny question when he has nine targets over the past two weeks. But right. uh, he's actually playing, which was a huge step he needed to, right. to consistently be out in the field. He's turned those nine targets into 96 yards, a few long grabs. Is Jalen Hyatt becoming relevant or is it just so hard to find relevance in this offense and also so hard so hard – find relevance when we don't even know who the quarterback is really going to be on a week-to-week basis right now well yeah I, so i think the, the the good news is that his route participation rate is up uh almost 70 percent over the past two games um his air yard share is pretty insane actually 45 percent of the air yards over over the two games with Ty- tyrod taylor under center uh darius slayton the second with 23 percent. so big gap there in air yards uh, obviously you're going to be a volatile option when your a dot is as high as his is, and you're getting, uh, these, these long downfield looks. The bad news for Hyatt is that 
the Giants $120 million quarterback is set to return. By the way, it's $160 million. $160 million quarterback. He's set to return. And that's, let me tell you, that's bad news for everyone. Everyone involved. It is. It's tough, man. It, well, it's not tough. I, are we being too meme, meme-ish? Or is it just accurate to say Tyrod Taylor it looks like by far the Giants' best quarterback? Or are we getting too hot takey there? I, I Look, I think you can look at the numbers. You can watch the film. Whatever you need to do, you can do that and come away with the idea that at the at the at least Tyra Taylor is a is a minimal uh, uh, upgrade over Daniel Jones. Maybe even a big upgrade because he throws deep, and Daniel Jones simply does not do that. He refuses to do that. So. That that it comes down to that basically. It really does. He just truly is longtime listener to the show. Now we always talk about how he grades out well in it. Daniel Jones when he the rare times he does throw deep, but nothing will change. Like the change in coordinator didn't do anything. Change in personnel hasn't done anything. Change in like game script hasn't done anything. Even though there's a team playing from behind. Yes. Like nothing will get this man to throw deep. And Absolutely and not. and really defenses, you know. Look, if we know that, I'm guessing NFL defenses yes. know that. And they they crowd both the line of scrimmage and the intermediate parts of the field because they know nothing is going over the top, right? So it's the opposite of how teams approach Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They crowd in and they just stop that intermediate stuff. And Daniel Jones doesn't respond with shots. Okay. They don't even have to be great shots, but just something to tell a defense, hey, we can also try that with, with, I don't know, one of the fastest receivers in the league and Jalen Hyatt. I don't think it happens. I think that Hyatt becomes uh, not usable for fantasy when Daniel Jones comes back. Yeah. Unfortunately, that does spring a little too true. Man, there's so many. They could take shots to Darius Slayton. You can even take shots to Darren Waller down the seam. Yeah. And, and yeah, when teams crowd, Get the crowd, the line of scrimmage, it makes your offensive line look even worse. It makes the whole offense look not very functional. Daniel Jones, save your life, save your career. Start throwing deep a little more often. Uh, you want to talk about Taysom Hill? So you say Juwan Johnson's returning this week. Is this true? Oh, I'm. And you want to talk about your guy, Taysom Hill, who uh, been running a whole lot. And it, like actually uh, catching passes, I take it, Denny. I try to block out everything Taysom Hill related. But tell us about Taysom. Tell us about Juwan Johnson returning. That's unfortunate because I think Taysom Hill is the most fun thing about fantasy. Um, but if you uh, hate fun, he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Actually, I absolutely love when number three quarterbacks get listed as tight ends for some reason, and then go out there and the defense is like, oh, it's not a pass, and immediately stop him. I love it. All right. Absolutely. Listen. It. All right. Here's here's the the lowdown on on Taysom Hill, and I don't take any pleasure as someone who has Taysom Hill on every team. In saying this, uh, over let's see, over the past two weeks, only two tight ends have more pass routes overall than Taysom Hill. He's caught eleven of thirteen targets. Sorry if you triggered that. I am. It is. But I really appreciate you saying sorry. Now, something that I kind of forgot about was that Juwan Johnson is on the team, and Juwan Johnson has been <laughs> out the past two weeks. He hurt his calf in pregame warmups three weeks ago. Uh, he's expected per Dennis Allen to come back this week against the Colts. I'm not saying that Juwan Johnson is fantasy relevant because he absolutely is not, but he destroys the whole Taysom expanded uh, route running package thing we have going. So it destroys Taysom's package. It does. It, it's a, 
It does. And that, and that's tough. That's tough for Taysom. It's tough for those of us who have come to rely on that. So come uh, rely on Taysom's package on that. That's right. That's right. Uh, and the expansion of it, um, you know, but before Juwan Johnson uh, was out, Taysom Hill was only running uh, a route on 25% of the Saints dropbacks. Uh, he's still going to, you know, maybe get those goal line touches. That's fun. But <clears throat> this whole thing where he's getting seven, eight targets a game, that's not happening when Jawan Johnson is back. Yeah, that actually is really bad and not fun because Taysom, you, you got to hand it to him. It is annoying sometimes, but I do like it. When they actually commit to it, it's the most annoying when it's like three or four touches a game and the defense gets on the walkie-talkie and me like, yeah, that's the tee off on the line of scrimmage and easily stop this play. <laughs> and then they do. <laughs> and it's uh, a little different when he's out there like 20 or 25 snaps. Yeah. And there's some actual variety to his usage, which there has been the past two weeks. Why, seriously, why do teams make such horrible, horrible, horrible decisions? Like, why are the, the Saints clearly going to be like, well, whatever, just go back to the normal Juwan Johnson role? Oh, I see what you're saying. Don't use yeah. the Taysom role. Right. Just, no, no, why no. are teams like this? So, so, yeah, that's the inconvenient part is that Taysom Hill is really good at this. Like, he's a really good pass catcher. He's really fast. Like, he makes things happen after the catch. Even his teammates were saying that the, uh, after after the game against the Jaguars. So, uh, and Juwan Johnson doesn't do any of that. He's big. No. He's a big no. guy, but he doesn't do any of that. He, not, he ain't reading all that. No, and, he does and, nothing uh, above average at all. And, 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 so, Taysom Hill rightfully should be you know, should maintain this role where he's running 60 to 80% of the routes and he's part of the passing game, like the third option in the passing game. This has been good, I think, for the Saints, and uh, it's not going to happen, and I'm upset. My fantasy teams are quite upset. You are very upset, but we, you even allowed us to put it in the paper that you're upset. <laughs> and he, Dawson Knox is undergoing wrist surgery a few days after Dalton Kincaid had a new career day, I mean, six, six or seven games or whatever, into his career, but eight catches, only eight targets, 75 yards, still did not find the end zone. But with Dawson Knox, I guess probably going on IR, I don't think we've officially announced that yet, is Dalton Kincaid suddenly, after spending really the first six weeks of the season, like falling lower and lower in the rankings, is Dalton Kincaid yeah. suddenly back in the tight end one mix? I think so. I, you know, borderline. He's going to be in the regression files. I actually don't know which section I'm going to put him in yet because <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, you know, look, yes, we have everything going for us as far as like Knox being out, maybe the, his routes and targets filtering to Kincaid a little bit. But Kincaid was targeted on 30% of his routes against New England this past week. That's a, that's a lot. That's a, that's a ton for anybody, especially a tight end, especially a guy who had been targeted on only 14% of his targets before that. So uh, I don't think that that holds up. Uh, also, there's a guy named Quentin Morris, and I'm not joking when I say no, that. No, I was going to – if you didn't mention him, I was going to mention Quentin yeah, Morris. I think that Quentin Morris becomes somewhat interesting like, deeper leagues. And his involvement – I should say Kincaid's fantasy prospects kind of hinges on Quentin Morris and his involvement in the Bills offense. It doesn't sound right, but I've looked at the numbers, folks, and it, it is right. I wish that you were not kidding about that. It does. It is borne out in the numbers that he is like unduly reliant on Quentin Morris's role. And just again, why are teams like this? Like you use the first round pick like who? Okay, whatever. I don't care if he's not really blocking that well. 
get them out there. <laughs> like honestly, you are you know it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know it doesn't matter. You think Darren Waller blocks anybody? Maybe he does. And and, oh, does and there's also yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's also this. So Gabe Davis struggles mightily against man coverage. We know that we've known that for two years, three years now. And, right. And so the Patriots play a lot of man coverage. And so they shut down Gabe Davis because Gabe Davis can't do anything against that sort of coverage. I think that that helped filter some looks to Kincaid. So when they're playing a team that's not, you know, locking down Gabe Davis with man coverage, I think that Kincaid becomes a little more volatile. I, I, I'm not saying that you can't play him. I, I just mean to say that, like, he's not seeing a 30% target per route run. Well, I think what you're you're kind of saying too is that even with Dawson Knox probably out multiple games, there's still more moving parts than meet the eye when it comes to Dalton Kincaid, and it's not quite mission accomplished. By the way, I I do love I love Sean McDermott gaslighting us big time on Dawson Knox, saying, "Yeah, he's going to miss a very long time, very like who knows, indefinite. We don't know when he'll ever be back. He's not going on IR." Yeah, I know. Yeah, I just didn't know where that was going. No, I mean that's it. That, <laughs> yeah, I thought the I thought the prednisone had kicked in a little more. I still can't laugh, but uh, I'm sorry. But I'm yeah, vowing no. to the American people to be able to laugh by the time Thursday's podcast. We need your laugh. Rolls around. We do because right now I, I become an accordion when I laugh. Um, stop. It's really stop. great. I'm gonna it's make you laugh. Great. You're gonna make me stop. There can be no laughing. And then no laughing. No funny stuff on this show. Final topic: Roshan Johnson. Finally seems like he's coming back from his concussion for a really soft matchup in the Chargers, but it's right after Deontay Foreman, who had been really underutilized by the Bears. Three touchdown game against the Raiders, two on the ground, one through the air. Looked very good doing it. Uh, Roshan Johnson would have been – we would have been super, super excited about him if he had been available for week seven against the Raiders, but he wasn't. Deontay Foreman has this game. How do you break down the Bears' backfield dynamic for week seven – or excuse me, week eight – and another very good matchup in the Chargers. Well, you know, I, I do think that it could be just an even split. The, the Bears clearly are like dead set on this backfield being a split. And the reason I say that, Pat, is because Darrington Evans saw 12 carries to 14 carries for De- Deontay. Foreman. I do think a lot of that was, I was unfortunately watched this game. A lot of it was closeout time. Deontay did get banged a little. He didn't that come out of the true. game. That's so true. there were some extenuating. It wasn't as much of a committee as it might appear. But he did get 14 carries. I I I, I struggle in my mind's eye to see Roshan Johnson taking a definite backseat to, to Deontay Foreman. I, I I think that both they will together destroy each other's fantasy prospects. That feels unfortunately correct to me too. Where I have them both as really shaky flexes, which is sad after a player has the kind of game Deontay Foreman just had. Or two would be really flirting with being maybe top 20. The, the Chargers' new thing this year is they're not quite as terrifyingly bad against the run, but they're terrifyingly, terrifyingly bad against the pass. Yes. And they're, just, they're basically bad. about They're bad against whatever you're good at. And the Bears are going to be run-based. Yeah. I, man, what, what is going to – I think the, the Bajan thing could go really, really haywire. This way, really? Right? Yeah, I think it was like a classic calm before the storm. Like, hey, you got to hand it to the kid. He had a good start. Uh-huh. And then you just remember there was Josh McDaniels. And even Brandon Staley is like, well, obviously, we're going to just destroy Tyson Bajan's career this Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm maybe not. I, I I did. I your your posts about McDaniel's have been on my mind because it is actually stunning. It should be like the top story. It should. It should. It should. The fact that Josh McDaniel's prepared all week. We we grinded hard. 
to get our butts kicked by Tyson Bajant. Okay, a guy who who did they lose to? Colorado School of Mines. Colorado School of Mines rocked his. I believe the Zoomers would say bleep. <laughs> they rocked his bleep. And the Raiders got, and the Raiders got crushed. The Raiders they didn't even threaten in this game. How does how does jo- how is Josh McDaniels so bad? He's such it's a bad stunning. coach. It's stunning. And it would have been bad to lose to Tyson Bajan. There's no good loss to Tyson Bajan in his first career start. No such thing as a good loss. To be not competitive is genuinely astounding. And frankly, you should be fired. You actually should be fired. But they can't afford it to. No, they actually can't. That's my friend on Twitter, John Benny tweeted that they literally cannot afford to fire him. That is, that's a great position to be in. If you're old Josh, it is. And I had one final thought on this. Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Raiders Twitter is at, this is not a joke, uh, where they're debating uh, what was the worst loss, the Tyson Bajan loss or the Jeff Saturday loss? <laughs> <laughs> right? they, of course, folks may forget they lost to a high school coach last year. They did. Um, like they six did. days after he left the high school sidelines, they- he still easily beat the Raiders. Easily? Yes, easily. And this is uh, wow. Yeah, I actually forgot about. <laughs> Apparently, God, Raiders fans are down the worst, maybe ever. That is tough. And they're down as bad as me without the prednisone. Um, it's kicking in. It's kicking in. The show is. <laughs> it's not. It's and, it, it's, and it is kicking in. I was, I was worse. I got me. I took the first dose. I was a lot worse well, before this. Right. By Thursday, I'll be laughing and lolling. And Rolfin and LMA Owen. <laughs> Am I right, folks? Am I right? <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh because I don't want to make you laugh. <laughs> uh, people have no idea how many coughing fits I've muted today. Oh, I mean, Pat, Pat's struggling. Guys. I am struggling a little bit, but not struggling because it was a great show with Denny Carter. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you found some actionable information. We know you'll find some actionable information in Denny's regression files to come out on Thursday, excuse me, Wednesday. My rankings that come out on Thursday. Our week eight preview with Kyle Dvorak also on Thursday. Denny's Q&A Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern, correct? Yep. Um, check out Denny on the Fancy Football Happy Hour on Friday with Matthew and the gang. I'll Stuff from everyone on the site, Zach Kruger, Lawrence Jackson, Eric Samalski. Uh, just a lot of amazing stuff. And, of course, really busy news week. Keep it locked to rotorworld.com for the news. For Denny Carter, I am Patrick Doherty. Thank you for listening. We will be back later this week.